should do that. Our text today is out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And in our text today, it's about a month after Jesus has been born. He's presented at the temple, and he meets, uh, uh, comes in contact with a person named Simeon, an old priest who has been waiting for the Messiah to come. And so here we are a week after celebrating the birth of Jesus. In our text is about a month after Jesus has been born. And we pick up in verse number 22 in chapter 2. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. You want to mess your brain up for a second? The Lord is being presented to the Lord. Amen. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you, have, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Jesus, on this final Sunday of 2023, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive all you have for us this day through your holy scriptures. Lord, give us fresh revelation. Lord, help us to understand what this word means for this moment and this situation and this day. And we pray that the name of Jesus will be glorified. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The season of Advent is over. But our text reminds us that waiting for God is a year-long exercise. No matter where you are in life, at various points in your life, you will have to wait. And there's nothing you can do about it. Whether you are rich or poor, you will have to wait. Whether you are young or old, you will have to wait. Whether you have been a Christian for one year or a Christian for 40 years, you will have to wait. And waiting is difficult because waiting ultimately reminds us that we are not in control. When you have to wait for the train to come, you realize you are not in control. When you have to wait for a parking spot to open up, you realize, amen, you are not in control. 
uh, waiting reminds you that you're not in control. This past week, I was in a neighborhood in Queens, and I was getting ready to park, and I saw that someone was about to come out. They had their lights on, and, and so I pulled up behind the person, just knowing that that person was going to come out any moment now. And so I waited a good, you know, 20 seconds, and, and I waited for the person. The person didn't come out, and so I drove up very gently to the person and, and, and said to him, you coming out? Are, are, are you coming out? And the person said, coming out. And so I backed up. I said, praise God. I, I, I backed up and then waited some more. And this person stood there. Just, just, just this. So about another minute and a half later, I came back up. I, I said, you coming out? You coming out? Person, I'm, I'm coming out. I said, amen. And I, and, I, and I came back again. Another two to three minutes before the person, actually, I was going to do it again. I said, Lord, I'm preaching on patience this week. I'm preaching. You're teaching me a lesson. But, but waiting reminds us that we're not in control. When you tell your children to do something and they, they don't do it, no matter how much you say you're the boss, you realize that you are not in control. And our text reminds us once again of the importance and the necessity and the inevitability of waiting. Most of the Bible is written to people who have been subjected to waiting. They're looking for God to restore their fortunes. They're waiting for God to arrive. They're waiting for God to make whole what has been broken. And over and over from Genesis to Revelation, we find that the Bible is full of awaiting people. People who are waiting for God to intervene. And I wonder, on this last Sunday of 2023, what are you waiting for? I imagine there's some things in your life that are broken. Areas in your life that are fractured relationships that you long to be made whole, relationships with your spouse, relationship with your children, relationships with your friends. You think about the brokenness of our world. There are things that, we are, that are broken that we're longing to be made whole. And what happens when you are in a broken situation and you have to wait? It's very difficult. When I was a freshman in high school, I was playing football before the school year started, and as I was going off out for a pass, I fell down, someone ran into me, and I broke my wrist. And the following year, on September, a few weeks before school started again, I was playing basketball this time, and the second time, I broke my wrist again, which is why I don't play sports in the month of September anymore. <laughs> I just don't. And I remember on both occasions, after my wrist was broken, I was driven to Kings County Hospital. Anybody know Kings County Hospital? Now, I don't know how Kings County Hospital is now, but in 1994 and 1995, it was not the best place. And I remember with a broken arm, waiting in the waiting room for hours with a broken wrist, waiting for this thing to be set right and some of us know what that's like to be in a waiting space with some broken areas in your life, waiting for your name to be called for things to be set right. Simeon is waiting for the Lord to come. The Lord had promised Simeon that he was going to see the Messiah before he dies. And yet Simeon is in this text waiting. When we pick up in our text, Jesus is brought to the temple. And he's brought to the temple to be circumcised, which is part of Jewish religion and culture. And after he is circumcised, he's brought to the temple to be dedicated. Here's the, the mystery of it all, the Lord being dedicated to the Lord. And in the temple, he encounters 
Or Jesus is encountered by an old man named Simeon. And tradition says that Simeon was probably about 100 years of age. He's been waiting for a really long time to see the face of the Messiah. And after decades of waiting, longing for the consolation of Israel, he finally gets to that moment where the Messiah shows up and the Holy Spirit lets Simeon know, this is what you have been waiting for. And some of us came to church with that longing. Lord, when is this going to happen? When is this going to be fulfilled? When is the promise that you've given to me, when is it going to happen? Simeon has his moment. And as he holds the baby, he offers these wonderful words. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Here Simeon is, after waiting decades upon decades upon decades, finally the promise is fulfilled. So we see Simeon in his day of promise. We see Simeon in his day of the fulfillment of the promise. But what we don't see are the decades where Simeon waited. Could you imagine how hard it was for him? And the irony of it is that Simeon, his name means God has heard. What happens when the name that you've been given doesn't match the experience that you're in? Simeon's name is God has heard, but for decades it doesn't seem as if God has heard Simeon's prayer. Could you imagine Simeon saying, Lord, my name is you have heard, but it doesn't feel like you hear me. And so Simeon, the irony of the text, God has heard, but for decades there is nothing. Have you ever been there before? A promise has been given to you. You know that you know that you know that God has put something in your spirit. You know that you know that you know that God has put a promise in you. You know that you know that you know that God has said, I'm going to do some things on your behalf. And yet nothing. Year in and year out, you see nothing. And this is Simeon's experience. He's waiting for something to happen, and we don't see the decades. But over many decades, nothing has happened. Simeon is waiting. And at some point in our lives, as a matter of fact, almost at every point in our lives, we're waiting for something. We go from waiting to waiting. What are you waiting for? Some, some of you are waiting to get into a school. Some of you are waiting to get out of school. Some of you are waiting for a job. Some of you are waiting to retire from that job. Some of you are waiting to get married. Some of you are waiting to get unmarried. Some of you are longing for children. Some of you are longing to get rid of your children. You know what I'm saying? There's the individual, and then there's the collective experience that we all have awaiting. When you look at the news, we all are waiting and longing for peace. Waiting and longing for racism to come to an end. Waiting and longing for poverty to be eradicated. We are all longing for something. And what we see in this text is that there's two realities at work in Simeon's story. What Simeon is waiting for 
And secondly, what God is doing in Simeon as he waits. What Simeon is waiting for and what God is doing in Simeon as he waits. And what we find in the scriptures is that what God does in you as you wait is often more important than what you're waiting for. Amen, somebody. What God does in you as you wait is often more important than what you are waiting for because God wants to form you. God wants to shape you into a particular human being. God's trying to orient your life in a particular way as followers of Jesus. What God does in you as you wait is often more important than what you are waiting for. And, and, and what God does in us is to expand us. Simeon has been waiting for a long time. And in verse 27, we find a very simple passage of Scripture that for me communicates something about Simeon's life that I, want, that I want to be true about my life, and I hope you want to be true about your life as 2024 emerges. In verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. You could see this as a throwaway line. You can see this as just a line that the author Luke is writing to move the story along. Or you can see this as a statement with profound theological truth. Moved by the Holy Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Why do I pause on this verse? For this simple reason. After decades upon decades upon decades of waiting, Simeon is still tender enough. Amen. After decades upon decades upon decades of waiting, Simeon is still sensitive enough. Amen. After decades upon decades upon decades of waiting, Simeon is still open enough. Amen. To be moved by the Holy Spirit. The longer we wait, the more grumpy we become. The longer we wait, the more resentful we become. The longer we wait, the more angry we become. But look at Simeon. That's the kind of faith I want. The longer he waits, he's still open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. I want the kind of faith that even though I'm waiting, even though the stuff hasn't happened yet, even though the fulfillment to the promise has not been realized, I want the kind of faith that's still moved by the Holy Spirit. I want the kind of faith that's sensitive to the voice of God. Don't you want that for yourself? Don't you want the kind of faith in 2024 that's open and tender and sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit? That at any given moment of every given day, at any given time, God is moving towards you in love. That God is looking to move you and press upon you what he wants to do. Simeon is still open enough to be moved by the Spirit. And so Simeon is moved by the Spirit. What God does in Simeon is just as important as what Simeon is waiting for. And what we find in Simeon decades after the promise has been given is a man who has been enlarged, a man who has been deepened, a man who's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And this is what waiting, waiting in faith, waiting in expectation does for us. God does something in us. I love how Eugene Peterson in the, in the message translation paraphrase in Romans 8, it says waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. 
We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectation. As we are waiting, as we are hoping, God is trying to do something in us. What God does in you as you wait is just as important, sometimes more important than what you are waiting for. The question is, how is Simeon able to do this? How is Simeon, after decades of receiving the promise, how is he able to continue to wait until that day came? What I want to do is I want to end 2023 with two observations from Simeon's life. Two observations which serve as invitations. Invitations for us that as we begin 2024, my prayer is that what we see marked in Simeon would by the Holy Spirit mark our lives as well. Two very simple things and then we're going to sing together. The first thing we see in Simeon's story is that although he waits a long time, he doesn't leave. He still shows up. You know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the phrases that's repeated in the rooms is keep showing up. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. And what I love about Simeon is here we have a man whose faith is not controlled by feelings. Amen. We have someone who has a faith that runs deeper than feelings. Now, we are a church that focuses a lot on feelings. In a few weeks, we have the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. We love talking about feelings in our church. It's important to talk about what you're sad about, what you're mad about, what you're angry about, what you're glad about. This is part of our vernacular, part of our vocabulary of spiritual formation at New Life Fellowship Church. We talk about our feelings. But one thing we need to say about our feelings is this. If we allow our feelings to direct our faith, we're going to have an up and down faith. What we have in Simeon is someone who has a faith that runs deeper than feelings. In Simeon, we have someone who keeps showing up. And as he keeps showing up, doing the same thing, he is enlarged and transformed in the process. You know, there's a phrase that says about insanity, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's true. And that's a good definition for spiritual formation. Are you with me? Because in spiritual formation, we do the same thing over and over and over again, and we expect different results. Simeon shows up over and over and over again, trusting, hoping, yearning, longing. And what we're invited into is a kind of faith that's not shaped by feelings. It's the kind of faith that's not shaped by what we see. It's the kind of faith that's shaped by what's not seen. It's the kind of faith that's shaped by the truth and the trust that God is active right this very moment in your life. Can I encourage some of you as 2023 comes to an end? I know you're looking at your life and you're saying, where is God? What is God up to? And I can't answer the fullness of that question. But what I can say definitively is that God right this very moment is active in your life. God is moving in your life. God is at work right now in your life. Jesus says the Father is always working. He said it in the Gospel of John. And I too am working till this very day. At this very moment, God is at work in your life. And Simeon continues to show up. 
Could you imagine what New Year's Eve looked like for Simeon year in and year out? On New Year's Eve is an opportunity for us to look at all the ways that God has blessed us and all the challenges that we're still facing. New Year's Eve is, is a time of reflection, isn't it? We look back at our year and we go, oh, these are the prayers that have been answered. Oh, and these are the prayers that have not gone answered. Could you imagine every year God promised Simeon, you're going to see the Messiah's face before you die. And then year one, New Year's Eve, nothing happens. Year two, year three, year four. For decades, this guy, could you imagine the, way, the wear and tear of waiting? And yet Simeon still shows can I encourage you to still show up? Can I encourage you to keep coming back? Can I encourage you to not have a faith that's fueled by feelings, but fueled by faithfulness? In order to do this, it requires us to, to normalize a few things in our relationship with God. One of the reasons we don't go to God in prayer, for example, is because we expect prayer to be exciting all the time. And so when prayer, when we don't feel anything from God, we go, oh, uh, there's something wrong with me. Therefore, I don't want to come back to pray. But do you know that some of the deepest moments of prayer, in those deepest moments, you don't feel anything? Do you know that in the deepest moments of prayer, it transcends feelings? Do you know, this is why Soren Kierkegaard said, life is lived forward, but it's understood backwards. Meaning you have to live forward, but you understand it in retrospect as you look back. Do you know that as you, as you hold on to God when you don't feel it, that God is doing something subterranean in your life? That some of the deepest moments of transformation come when you don't feel it. That some of the deepest points of communion with God happen when you don't feel it. I'm reminded of something Ron Rollheiser said, one of the great authors that I look to. He, he says, imagine uh, uh, two siblings, let's just say, for the sake of our context, one lives in New York and one lives in Los Angeles. And these siblings have an aging parent who's living in an assisted living facility. And so you, living in New York, being the dutiful child that you are, after uh, work every day, you go visit mom or dad in the assisted living facility. And Roheiser says, every day you visit mom, you visit dad, and you're there for about an hour, an hour and a half, and he asks a very simple question. In that year of you visiting mom and dad, how many uh, 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 wonderful, emotional, uh, riveting conversations are you having with mom or dad? It's probably not many. One, maybe. The conversations are probably oriented around the ordinariness of life. How's the jello? Mom, eat your food. She asking how the kids are doing. How's the weather outside? The conversations are very ordinary. And on the outside, it doesn't seem as if anything has happened. Rollheiser, this author, says, now imagine that sibling that you have who lives in Los Angeles visits mom a couple of times a year. And upon just seeing mom, there is a gush of emotion. Tears going down because she or he misses mom. And she sees mom and there's an embrace and a love and I miss you so much and I love you so much. Someone looking from the outside, Rollheiser says, would, would come to the false conclusion that the person who is showing the most emotion, the person with more tears coming down their cheeks, probably has the deeper relationship with mom than the other sibling. 
And then he asks a very fundamental question that you already know the answer to. The question is, who really has a deeper relationship with mom? The one who's showing up every single day with very little emotions. Mom, eat your jello. Or the person who comes every so often and there's tears streaming down the face. This is why you, you, you should never judge the depth of someone's relationship based on what you see on the outside. Because sometimes there are no emotions, but there is something deep happening beneath the surface. Simeon keeps showing up. And what I, my, my hope is that you would keep showing up. When you feel God's presence, keep showing up. When you don't feel God's presence, keep showing up. When you're getting a lot out of the Bible, keep showing up. When you're getting nothing out of the Bible, keep showing up. When you feel God's presence in worship, keep showing up. When you're not feeling anything of God's presence in worship, keep showing up. Simeon, first of all, is able to wait because he just keeps showing up. He has a faith that's not guided by feelings. But secondly, and then we'll sing together, there's something else that fuels Simeon's ability to wait over the decades. He doesn't wait alone. Simeon waits in a community. There's a wonderful verse in verse 36 that talks about what's happening in this scene. It says, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And here we have this scene. We see in this scene that this priest does not wait alone. That he has someone there who's worshiping and praying with him. How, how do we endure? How do we have a faith that perseveres? It's a faith that waits in community with others. You were not made for a private relationship with God. There is no such thing as a private relationship with God. A personal relationship, certainly. A unique relationship with God, certainly. But not a private relationship with God. As a matter of fact, do you know that in the Bible, the, the word, when Paul writes in his epistles, he says, my Lord. Do you know he says that one time? My Lord. Do you know that he says, our Lord, 53 times in the New Testament? Do you hear that? In other words, Spirituality, Christianity, is not a solitary experience. It's a community thing. And you were made to be known and to be known by others. For some of you this year, you have not allowed anyone to know you. For some of you this year, your life has not been marked by depth of community. For some of you this year, it's been like the year before. No one knows your story. No one knows your troubles. No one knows your longings. No one knows your questions. And my hope is that 2024 will be different. That you would, you would wait with others in community. That people would know your story. This is why we have a congregation. We're not here to be a crowd, friends. We're not here to be a group of people who gather on Sundays and then go, okay, see you next Sunday. We're called to be a people, a community that know each other. A people that you know stories and they know your stories. And here is this Simeon, this, this priest with this prophet, waiting together. You were made to wait in community. 
And this is the invitation that God has for all of us as we enter into a new year. You are not made for isolation. You are not made for loneliness. You are not made to do this thing alone. It's amazing the encouragement, amazing the strength, amazing the joy that's found when it's shared with others. Isn't this why when you go to the movie theater, even if you go by yourself and something happens on the screen, the first thing that you do is you're looking for someone to just make eye contact with. If you're alone, you're looking at strangers. Like, wasn't that, why? Because you're longing for connection. You're longing for communion. You're longing to belong. You're longing to be seen. And you've been made for this. The question that this text really is to provoke us in asking is to what degree are you waiting with others? To what degree do you belong to others? To what degree are you known? To what degree do you know? And unless we're waiting with others, we're going to have a hard time sustaining our waiting for God. In all this, friends, we have good news. In all this, whether Simeon waited well or not, we have good news. We, we don't exactly know how Simeon waited for the decades. We don't have Simeon's full biography. We see Simeon at the end of his life, something has happened in him. We see Simeon at the end of his life, he's still moved by the Holy Spirit. We see Simeon at the end of his life, he's open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. But we don't see the other years. Might it be possible that there were some years that Simeon just didn't wait well? Might have been, is it possible that there are some years that Simeon, New Year's Eve came and he was just grumpy? Could it be that at some, of the decades that he was waiting... There were some years that he waited well and some years that he did not wait well. There were some years that it, the year ended with faith and expectation and sometimes the year ended with disillusionment and discouragement. But here's the good news, friends, and I want to encourage you with this. The good news of the Bible is not that we are faithful in our waiting. The good news of the Bible is that God is faithful in his coming. Amen. 2023, for some of you, you waited really well. For some of you, you were open to the Holy Spirit. For some of you, you were listening to your life. For some of you, you were listening to the voice of the Spirit. And you waited fairly well. And then for others... For, for the 99% of the rest of us here, we did not wait well. We were grumpy and doubting and complaining. And how long, oh Lord? But aren't you glad that God's coming is not contingent upon how well you wait? Praise, uh, here's the good news. God's coming is not contingent upon how well you wait. God's grace towards you is not contingent on how good you have been. Listen, I want to end with good news here. God's grace, mercy, compassion towards you is not based on how good you have been. God is good to you because God is good. Period. God comes because God is love. 
And yet, as we wait, God's longing to do something in us. Why? Because what God does in you as you wait is just as important, sometimes more important, than what you are waiting for. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have come. We celebrate the Christmas season that we are in right now, the seventh day of Christmas. And we celebrate that you have come. Oh, Lord, we celebrate that your coming is not contingent upon how well we wait. You come because you're good. And so, Lord, as we wait for the broken pieces of our lives to be made whole, as we wait for the broken pieces of our world to be made whole, may we wait in expectation. May we wait in confidence. May we wait in trust, believing that you have come. You are coming. You will come again. And so, Lord, the only thing we can do is wait with open hands, saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. We sing to you now words of praise, words of gratitude. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we sing. And everyone said, amen. Let's all stand and let's sing in response together.